Good morning, everyone. We are today going to look at a bit of a tangent of Greg's previous two messages, talking about, was talking about I am the good shepherd, I am the way, I am the truth and the light. Going back to um, one of the original I am's in the Bible. And theologically, they're not the same. This is a much more uh, deeper theological sense when God says, I am who I am. But we can pretend they're connected anyway. So we're going to look at who God is. It's a familiar story, Moses and the burning bush. And we're going to look at it in the sense of God is reintroducing himself to the people of Israel. So I'm going to, we're going to read first from Exodus chapter 1, sorry, Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So if you can take out your Bible, your device, look up BibleGateway.com, type in X space 3, it brings you right to it. I know that quite well. I've typed that in about 40 times in the last uh, two or three weeks. Ah, the story of Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the same mountain as Mount Sinai that the Israelites end up at later. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why, the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Next couple of verses, God explains that he's coming back to rescue the people of Israel, introduces Moses to his new job as commander-in-chief, which Moses isn't real happy about. You know parts of that story. But we'll jump ahead then to verse 13, where Moses has now agreed. And actually, he doesn't come back and argue much with God about his role. But he says to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Well, Moses doesn't know either, right? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So this is Moses' introduction to God. So we're going to come back and and we're going to look at this introduction. What does this mean? And for the people of Israel, what did it mean for Jesus? And then what does it mean for us? The Israelites. They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Okay, think about your ancestors in 1621. That was a long time ago. And we, at least in 1600s, there were written records. They had oral traditions and stories about God, Abraham. You know, Abraham was the first person to whom God came and established his covenant. Isaac, Jacob, you read in the book of Genesis, these are the patriarchs. These are the primary ancestors for these people. And apparently, they they kept these stories. Obviously, these are oral traditions. No, No one knew how to read or write, especially if you were a slave. But it's the equivalent of showing home, well, you don't watch home movies anymore. Back when we were kids, home movies were the older people told the stories to the younger people. This is what happened when we went on vacation. And you remember when so-and-so stepped in the dishwater, right? That, that sort of thing. But that's, the, that's how you keep memories going. And in those days especially, that was the only way to keep memories going. And so over the, over the generations, one by one by one, the, the, the stories of Abraham and obviously God visiting Abraham and talking with Abraham. Isaac, this one child who was going to be sacrificed on the mountain. God talking to them. And there's a clear connection to God's relationship to these people, not just that these people existed. But you've got to figure, they're probably a little vague on the details. They did not have Genesis written down at this stage in, in, their, in their lives. This was written much later by Moses and others from God. So they've been slaves now for 200, 300 years. You may recall um, Joseph helped them relocate to Egypt during a famine. And while Joseph and his memory were strong, these people were protected but as, after Joseph died, the Pharaoh got a little twitchy about having all these people around who were not Egyptians, put them into slavery, and they've been there maybe 300 years. It's a long time. Let's look at Moses, a most unusual man. You may, you may recall the story. He was born at a time when Pharaoh was worried about the Israelites. There were a lot of them, and so he said every newborn Egyptian boy will be killed. Moses' mom didn't like that idea, put him in a little basket in the water, and this baby was found by an Egyptian princess who decided to adopt him, take him home. Moses' mom was the nanny, raised Moses I'm guessing until he was weaned and out of diapers or whatever the equivalent of diapers was back then. So maybe until he was three, four, five years old, 
brought him to the princess, who essentially adopted him into the royal family. Raised in an Egyptian palace, had a good education. He had a great career as an Egyptian administrator. Well, until he killed an Egyptian, and he quickly anticipated a change of employment. So he left the country. He realized if he stuck around, he would be put in jail at best, probably killed, takes off for the desert. So he's 40 years old at that point, so his first career is over. Goes to the desert for another 40 years. He settles down. Marries the daughter of a local priest. So he married pretty good, right? So the local priest is going to be pretty high up in the village or tribal hierarchy. Remember, and Moses is pretty smart, right? He's been educated in the, in the Egyptian courts, yada, yada, yada. So he's got a good thing going, has kids. He probably doesn't think about God very much. If he worshipped, if he had any religious rituals, let me call it that, it's probably with Jethro, his father-in-law. He's the village priest. Whatever that priest, that tribe believed in, Moses probably went along with it. No reason not to. He had these stories from when he was a kid. But there were stories, right? I mean, was there really hope there? Those people, yeah, yeah. Moses, you know, we read this, we, we know Moses' entire life. And so we sort of ascribe some of that knowledge to him at this point in his life. He doesn't know anything about God. And then this bush comes along. Okay, God, again, setting the the, the situation. Just a chapter before, um, God is introduced. God heard the people of Israel groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And then, as he's talking to Moses in chapter 3, in verse 7, the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their welfare. First contact in 400 years. God remembers. That's really cool. I have no clue what happened 400 years ago. Certainly no, the only thing I know reasonably certain is my great, 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 great grandparents, whatever, whatever, they weren't rich, whatever I know. My, My legacy is in the Netherlands, day laborer, day laborer, day laborer. That's all I know about this name and what their occupation was, that they were a day laborer, okay? Do I know their name? No. Don't, right? We don't know this stuff. God remembers. And looking back 500 years to when God first started talking to Abraham, 1521, Martin Luther is getting heat from the Roman, Roman Catholic Church. In 1521, Magellan sailed around the world. He was in Southeast Asia in the Philippines. That's what we're looking at that long ago. Again, so the people of Israel don't remember much. God does. 
So now we look at God and Moses getting together. Obviously, God takes the initiative because Moses is clueless about what's going on. So you sort of think this was like a joke, right? Here's Moses walking through the desert, sheep grazing here and there, and here's this bush on fire but not burning up. If Moses were an engineer, he'd be wondering about this. But he was a shepherd, he still wondered. He went over to check it. And then he hears this FM radio voice. Moses, Moses. That's God introducing himself. Don't come closer. Take off your sandals. And I'm sure he did. The place you're standing is holy ground. Moses has no clue what's going on. And so God continues. He says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Or in this bush, the, the I'll call it maybe the aura... This was God, as far as Moses knew. He was hiding his face, which is what you did in front of a God. You bowed. You were not allowed to look at God. And if you think about historically, you know, you bow before kings and queens and all this. Very much here, too, there's a pose of you are in charge, I am not. And so what's What clearly happens here, these memories are coming back to Moses in a hurry. Now, I happen to think the Holy Spirit probably helped here too, but Moses remembers the stories that his mom taught him when he was three, four, five years old, and maybe picked up more, remembered more as he was growing up. But he responded to God. And now Moses and God, and this appears to take place in, a pretty short period of time, hours, days, Moses and God are talking. And now Moses says, is getting ready to go talk to the Israelites. Remember, he, he, he didn't want to do it. I can't talk well, yada, yada, yada. Aaron's promised to come help. At that point, Moses quits complaining. He's now on board. He still doesn't know much. But he's, a, he's willing to obey God. But now God needs a name. Because, you know, you have you know, Horus, the, the I, forget, I forget, I had this written down once. Horus, Ray, Anubis, Rolls Royce, these were all Egyptian gods of, like, the river, the sun, the rain, of chariots and stuff like that. And so Jehovah, God, needed a name. Because in those days, where you had lots of gods, you had a god of this place over here. So you had a river god. That river god was in charge of flooding every spring to put silt on the, on the lowlands and water to drink. But if you weren't at the river, that god, that god had limits. And you see this in multiple places in the Old Testament. You had the sun god in charge of you know, day and night. But if you weren't dealing with sun, that god, that god wasn't involved.
So Moses needs a name. He can't just say, hey, hey, you, you know, the God of Abraham. That'd be like saying, oh, the God of the river. I need a name. And God doesn't give a name. He gives a state of being. God says, I am. Now, Moses is pretty smart. Remember, he's a well-educated Egyptian official. And he's being given a state of being, not a name. But then God expands. I am the Lord. So who has sent me to you? The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Namely, I am is my name forever. The name you will call me from generation to generation. Now, from our perspective, we have a better understanding of what that, how that fits. Many of the, you know, of the ten plagues showed God's dominance over an Egyptian god. The river turned to blood. Well, that shows who's in charge of the river, and it's not the river god. It's our god, right? And so on and so forth. Um, I'm not sure it helped Moses at the time, but he knew what to say. So at this point, too, think about this. Moses, bright guy. Elderly, perhaps, definitely. He's going to go back to the people of Israel, whom he hasn't seen in in forty some years. He's going to say, "What's going? Here's who is sending me." And basically, he's saying, "I am is sending me," and he's going to convey the awesomeness of God, who was with the people of Israel from Abraham up from wherever Ur of the Chaldees is, it's a long ways away. So he's reinforcing that God is the God of the people, not of the river, not of the sunshine, not of the fields or anything. The God of the people of Israel, not local to a little feature. Junior high kids may be dismissed. We see the difference. Moses, not necessarily. So, after some arrangements, now, read this. Um, go back to read chapter Exodus chapter 2, 3, 4, 5. It's delightful reading. And if you think about it from the standpoint of, here's God introducing himself to the people of Israel. So now Moses goes, meets up with Aaron, and goes and talks to the Israelites. We will not cover about what happens with Egyptians, because I'm talking here about the introduction of God to the people of Israel. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of Israel, and Aaron told them everything, and they believed. Bam! Just like that. And throughout, the, especially in the New Testament, this happens a lot. The word of God comes out in some form, and people believe. And here's and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. 
put yourself in the place of these Israelites. Well, we are in the place of these Israelites. It's been generation upon generation. Now, there's this God out here, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that was a long time ago. We haven't heard from him in a long time. Is he, well, yeah, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. And here come Moses and Aaron. Moses actually does a couple of miracles with his staff turning into a, a snake and picking it up, and his hand gets leprous. And I mean, there's some other things going on here. The point is, the people believed. They didn't wait. Well, let's. We'll, let, we'll, we'll give them. We'll give them. We'll take them on six months as a temporary commander in chief. They believed, and when they, they heard of God's mercy and compassion, they bowed down in worship. And I just look at this and say, "Wow, isn't this cool?" The people of Israel responded in belief and faith. They knew they needed help. Here's the, the introduction to a helper. Now, how much faith did they have? Well, approximately zero. But it, it doesn't really matter how much faith you have. It's who you have that faith in. And those people had faith in God. They believed and they bow down. And I just think that's so cool. Now, were there troubles down the road? Oh, yeah. Lots of troubles down the road. But that covenant, my point here, the covenant between God and his people was reestablished. God remembers his promises. The people, like us, like the people of Israel, they came and went. They tried hard, mostly, didn't always work, but God remembers his covenant. We're going to jump ahead now to John 8, which is where the original connection came into the I Ams. Jesus is now talking with the people, the Jewish leaders, and they were fussing at him. They were saying, well, are you really God? You know, we're the children of Abraham. You know, who are you? And God is, Jesus is explaining who he really is. And this is uh, John chapter 8, verse Thank you. 56. I'll back up a little bit. <laughs> Thank you, Juanita. Uh, so, this is Jesus talking to the people of Israel, or the Jewish, I'll call them the Jewish critics at the moment. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. This is Jesus speaking. He saw it and was glad. And the Jewish leaders said, You're not 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. That's audacious, right? Here's this prophet. Good following, 
he's making trouble for the, for the Jewish leaders, right? And they basically had to, you know, obviously they thought he was a heretic because he didn't agree with them, which is most people's definition of a heretic. Um, and he just says, I was here before, and very clearly, I mean, the people of Israel, or the Jews at that time, certainly remembered this meeting of Moses, because this, this is like the first, it's like the signing of the Declaration of Independence. They weren't independent yet, but here came God and Moses, the commander-in-chief. That's a red-letter day. for all. That's the beginning of them as a nation, not just as a people. And so Jesus is clearly stating that he is the, the same God that Abraham talked with and had worshipped. And he was present before Abraham. So he's saying, I'm the same being, I am the same God that was in the burning bush. I am the same God that talked with Abraham, bringing him out of the land of Ur and establishing that first covenant. And it put those Jewish critics in a bind. Well, but they too, they, 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 they did bow down, but to pick up rocks, <laughs> right? Because they, they couldn't accept this. They just couldn't accept it because it, th- it threw everything that they believed out the window. You know, they're looking for a Messiah, but they're looking for this more of a physical, secular Messiah, like King David, that's going to rescue the people, the country. And Jesus wasn't this. The truth is too much for these people. But it's not. But it was right on the marks to say, Jesus was coming to change the way of the Jewish belief, which had become very ritualistic and not, per, and not very spiritual. And there's a lot of fussiness in the Jewish people then because they were, in a sense, slaves under Rome. They were certainly under Rome's control. They weren't slaves technically, but they were captured people. And Jesus comes with spiritual salvation not physical salvation, but you think about Moses. What really counts is spiritual salvation. A lot of people died in those 400 years of captivity. People died in the 40 years in the wilderness. You know, it's just, but they're, they're, when they believe in God, they're saved. And that's what counts. When God says, I am. It says he is eternal. He is all-powerful. And best of all, he keeps his covenant. Because just like 500 years from Abraham to Moses was no big deal, a couple thousand years to Jesus, if you're eternal, these years on earth, they just move right along. We happen to not think that because we're, we're, we're living in the moment. But when you think about, and now 2,000 years from Jesus to us, God's not forgetting his covenant. God does not forget his covenant with you and with me. 
same God, same covenant. And, you know, as a sidebar here, you know, where Jesus says that Abraham was happy to see this day, you know, Abraham's in heaven. I'm going to have coffee with him someday. You know, how cool is that? Pick your favorite Bible hero. Um, Rebecca, Rachel, Paul, have coffee or tea with them someday. That's part of the covenant, right? That when you're in the, the body of believers, just like God says, I am, we can say, we are. We're in that same family. So, we believe we bow down and worship. So join me in a, in a closing prayer, please. What I'd like you to do is, wherever you happen to be, bow your head down and put your hands out in front of you as, as a symbol of our subservience to you, God. God, you are our God. Through the ages, before Abraham, you created the world. You made a covenant with Abraham and continued it for Isaac and Jacob. Jesus is part of that covenant. We are in your covenant, God, because you remember, you have made a promise to us out of love and mercy. We can't save ourselves. The people of Israel couldn't break free of the Egyptians. The Jewish people couldn't break free of the Romans. We can't break free of our sin. You rescue us. And I thank you so much for that, God, because that is your salvation that you give to us, that you are our God, and we are your people. Thank you. Amen.